We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello everyone, welcome to a special draft edition of Rotoviz Radio. You'll see it's my co-host here from the Rotoviz Baseball Show, it is Zachary Kruger. We are going to be referencing the NFL Draft Day 1 and we are going to be talking through some of the interesting actions of what happened, talking about how that will affect your fantasy football teams, your fantasy football drafts in 2022 after Day 1. We'll be talking about some of the ADP changes and what we think may change there but zach had a, a recap piece up pretty sharp after the round one had ended up on nbc sports edge we'll be referencing some of that on today's show and then we'll be giving our thoughts on what may happen throughout the rest of the draft potentially but how it affects particularly the wide receiver positions in fantasy football but first as we kick off zach welcome into the show that was a, a pretty crazy night a pretty crazy day one of the nfl draft but a lot a lot a lot of fun yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I was out watching it with a couple of buddies early on. And I think the one thing that I noticed really early into the draft was it it looked like it was going to initially buck the trend of being uh, an overly long, drawn-out process. There are some picks that were just flying in. We're so used to teams using every second of the clock before they, they mail it in. Dan Campbell, he had the 102 in for Aiden Hutchinson, I think, before Roger Goodell could stop could finish up announcing uh, Trayvon Walker at number one overall to the Jaguars. Like he flew in with that pick. It was, it was a very good pace. It, it kept its excitement from a pace standpoint. And then obviously some of these trades that went down in the draft, I think just kind of added to the overall excitement of it. And then of course, for us, we get to also approach it from the fantasy angle as well, which I just think makes it all the more fun at this point in the season. So really fun draft for a couple hours removed from day two, starting back up. I will have another day two reaction piece on NBC sports edge as well. Uh, late tonight so most people will probably catch that on saturday morning but i'm excited to talk about this it, it, was, it was it's been a fun 24 hours and i think it's going to continue into the- yeah and it started off a little bit slow i guess when we say slow from a skill position perspective for fantasy football started off with a lot of defensive players going and i was watching the road of his radio uh, youtube channel with the stream with ship chasing as sean siegel and ben gretz were giving their thoughts and it kind of started off at a slow pace not a huge amount happening but it did spring to life in a major way we'll be talking through the wide receivers there was six wide receivers off the board in the top 18 now none went off the board after that and myself as a packers fan and i know sean as a chiefs fan we were hoping that we would get some wide receivers coming off the board there in those spots but hopefully day two which we'll touch on at the end hopefully maybe they will be picking up some of those wide receivers because there is some really interesting talents in round two and round three here as we move forward but the big story is we have to start off with aj brown he 
obviously formally now of the Tennessee Titans, was traded to the Eagles in this one for the 18th overall pick. Um, big, big trade and a third round pick thrown in there as well from the Titans. Brown gets the big contract. We're seeing, we're going to touch on it in a little bit after we go through the wide receivers, but Christian Kirk and what his contract did for the wide receiver market. We've seen the trades um, for Devontae Adams. We've seen the, the trade, obviously, for Tyreek Hill. And now we've seen AJ Brown move where there's talks of what's going to happen with Debo Samuel. So, so much going on around the wide receiver position, but he gets his contract 100 million over four years. Um, how did you feel when this initially came in? That was a a massive shock to the system when this one came in just just slotted in there in the middle of the nfl draft yeah it just kind of came out of nowhere I, th- I think that there was definitely some some marginal belief that aj brown may possibly be traded there hadn't really been a whole lot going on between him and the titans after he had expressed interest in getting an extension but then tennessee also said you know we aren't we aren't really interested in dealing him we have no interest in, in trading aj brown he's he's going to be a titan for a long time and that clearly didn't happen so the the rumors always kind of existed but i, I don't know that we ever strongly believe that was going to happen it was definitely a surprise when it actually did happen um my my initial reaction just from that standpoint was kind of that in, in terms of what the Eagles are going to get and how I think it kind of serves them um, going forward is it, it's kind of retribution for a, a, a decision to select Jalen Rager in the first round of the 2020 draft that didn't work out very well. Obviously, we you know, in 2021, they ran it back in the first round with Devonta Smith. He had a very solid rookie season with the Eagles. Now they're going to get A.J. Brown to pair with Devontae Smith. I think that's going to give them potentially two very good wide receivers on the outside. We already know Brown is elite. I think Devontae Smith could be flirting with elite status heading into his second season. Um, the question, I think, is going to be whether or not there is volume there. Um, the the fantasy angle, which I guess we can just touch on real quick, and how that may affect Brown, whose ADP over on FFPC leagues currently sits at about the 22nd overall pick. I think Brown will be moved back slightly, um, and just in terms of overall ranks, in part because he's no longer um, – going to be in quite I think is as friendly of an offense in terms of last season there wasn't really a lot of legitimate talent surrounding him at wide receiver really even at tight end Tennessee didn't have a lot to offer um, but we know Dallas Goddard's a very good tight end I just mentioned Devontae Smith I think could be on the come up in his second year so I think I think Brown just from that perspective of having more talent around him you could see a slight drop in ADP probably at this point in time. I think somewhere into the mid to th- mid third round or so. I'd, I'd be curious on your opinion of that as well. We'd really only be talking about him sliding between six six to eight spots for that to come to fruition. So I, I think it's possible. Um, and then in addition to that, I think there's going to be some initial panic that um, Brown is falling to a team who prioritizes running the ball. Um, and, and has a movable quarterback, which is going to be very ironic given the fact that he's coming from a team in Tennessee that truly prioritizes in running the ball. Um, he's going to go from one run-heavy team to another last season in neutral game scripts. Philadelphia ranked um, second in terms of um, most, most run-heavy uh, script. They ran at a 49% clip. Um, on in neutral game scripts, and then Tennessee was right behind them at 48%. So, so I think from the perspective of it being, you know, play calling and, and what the team wants to do and how they want to establish things. I think that that's going to be very similar, but I could also see Philadelphia giving a, a bit of a bump to their passing game because they do have AJ Brown now. Um, and they're paying him, as you said, a hundred million dollars to be there. So uh, contracts can kind of drive things and what they gave up can drive things into teams, hopefully um, shifting their tendencies 
um, in a way that we think is more positive for fantasy and the players that we like. So I, I, I wouldn't overreact too much to this, but I'd be curious to your thoughts after I gave um, what was probably for some too long of an explanation on the, my opinions on this. So I'll go pretty rapid fire, but we did touch on this before we started recording. And I, I think that if he drops, you know, four to five spots in ADP, I'll be drafting him in every single league. I think sometimes we overreact to situations of change, particularly at the quarterback position. And I think that players with elite talent are going to overcome that. And I think with what he can do after the catch, with what he can do also as a vertical option, um, I, I think that AJ Brown is going to be a superstar no matter where he plays. I actually think that, and times like this, when we see offenses get more skill position players, it makes it harder to double cover him or to have no options, you know, to, to have to take away. And sometimes we see with Washington, we'll talk about them in a moment, you know, Terry McLaurin can be kind of bracketed out of games. I don't think he can do that with AJ Brown. And I think what the censor or sorry, what the Eagles are doing here is they have a rookie quarterback on that rookie contract and they're going to load up in other positions to to give that team every opportunity so even if it doesn't work out this year they can decide well you know Jalen Hurts isn't the guy and move on but I think that the Eagles and we'll talk much more about it in the coming week I think it's going to be a very interesting spot for fantasy football in 2022. One thing I just wanted to add real quick, and then we can officially move on from me talking about this, but I just pulled up the per game numbers real quick for Ryan Tannehill and Jalen Hurts in 2021. Uh, last season, Ryan Tannehill averaged 219.6 passing yards per game, 1.2 touchdown passes per game. Jalen Hurts averaged just rough, exactly 10 yards per game passing less than Tannehill did last season. And as far as touchdowns go, again, Tannehill 1.2 per game. Jalen Hurts 1.1. So neither overly impressive, but I'll also say the other argument on that is neither suggests that there could be a significant drop for A.J. Brown, who I think still may be going to an offense that is going to be ready to prioritize the pass a little bit more next season. Yeah, and we are going to talk about who the Titans replaced him with in a moment. We're going to bracket all those rookies together, but Marquise Brown, the other player who did get traded, um, he currently sets a wider or FFPC ADP of 82, going to them for... The, the 100th pick and uh, getting the 23rd pick back in return. So I think it's going to be a good spot for him, um, but I do think that it is going to be tricky for him to get the same amount of target volume that he would have if he was with the Ravens, and that's because DeAndre Hopkins is there with the Cardinals. So I think his ADP will probably boost by this news, but I actually think that his ADP probably should drop by this news. So I don't think it'll change too much, but... Um, he's probably somebody who I think may start to become overvalued. Um, if, if his ADP drops, I'll, I'll reevaluate that. But how did you feel about the Marquise Brown trade? I just love trades. I love the way the NFL is evolving. Um, and I just thought that this was uh, another fun one. And these trades happening kind of within 20 to 30 minutes of each other was, was awesome. Yeah, no, it was very exciting to see all that kind of unfold. And I think it just adds to the excitement for the draft overall. Um, I'm with you as far as, as the Marquise Brown um, ADP adjustment. I do think that initially it's going to be perceived as something that's worthy of a little boost. I don't think it would be by much, maybe around, which I don't think for a player who was going as I believe it was the wide receiver 36 or around that range um, prior to this trade. I don't think that's necessarily a whole lot to give up. Brown did have a very impressive target share during his time in Baltimore. I think it was somewhere around 24% uh, for his career. He went over a thousand yards last season for the first time. But as you said, you're going to be going and you're going to be playing with um, DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. I think that that's certainly going to cut into that. It, he's going to see a target share dip. Um, but maybe the familiarity of also playing with former college teammate Kyler Murray kind of kind of adds to that a little bit. Maybe there's a little bit of a familiarity there that ends up doing something to 
kind of make Brown's target share while it may decline a little bit. His overall efficiency is still better just in the fact that the two players are familiar with one another and how they work um, together. So I do think that is the case. Brown's price, I think, would be too rich for me if it starts to slide up any more than like about a round of ADP. I think I'll be completely out on him unless there's some kind of camp rumors that just suggest they're going to be throwing the ball so much that there's going to be enough for all, all the top two wide receivers to be viable picks here. Yeah, it feels that way. We're going to get into those wide receivers now and six going in the top 18, as I mentioned. Myself and Sean on the show last week did some bold predictions with Travis May and he thought nine in the first round, which was obviously uh, very high, which would have been a bold prediction, would have been a lot of fun. Uh, And then I thought seven. So we fell kind of just below that one, but six in the top 18, it looked like we were on for, you know, 10 in the, the first round. Then we'll talk about the quarterbacks in a minute, but quarterback not going the way most people anticipated in this one but first off the board was drake london going at number eight to the atlanta falcons so they pair him up with pets obviously we have calvin ridley suspended for the season and marcus mariota currently slated to be the quarterback but as we mentioned recording this after round one and who knows what happens with the quarterbacks again who we'll get to in a moment if one of those ends up in atlanta the jets then go for guard wilson out of usc and they pick him with the 10th pick and he currently has a an ADP of 105. I mentioned Drake London a moment ago. His ADP is 115. So we'll see how these ADPs settle over the coming weeks. And we will get Zach's thoughts on those players in a, in a moment. But the Saints and the Washington Commanders then made some moves trading. The Saints traded the 16th pick in a third rounder and a fourth rounder to Washington for the 11th pick. They move up. They get Chris Olave, who I was hoping may have got to the Packers, which he was obviously long gone by the time we got on the clock. Um, he is going at 124 in terms of ADP. I think he probably is the, the biggest winner out of what we've seen so far in day one at the wide receiver positions. But the guys getting that early draft capital and Drake London and Garrett Wilson, obviously a massive boost to their value as well. But that trade was only part of the story because then obviously – we have the trade previously. We won't get into the details of it, but the Eagles did trade with the Saints a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so at this stage now, moving picks. And the Saints, in the end, have given up a lot, a lot of draft capital to get Chris Olave. So they're obviously pretty much all in on him. But Washington then, on the other side, they trade back. And obviously, uh, Zach, you are based in Washington. Um, you know, We'll say I don't know if the the love of the the Washington football team or the Washington Commanders is is truly there, but uh, Jahan Dobson then is their pick at the 16th overall pick. Uh, it felt like maybe they wanted to trade back. I think talking to you before the show, you wanted them to trade back, but maybe the the market wasn't there. Um, he has a current ADP of 195, so a little bit later. But how do you feel uh, mostly with that Dobson pick? That's the one that seems to. Uh, be the the point of contention everyone's kind of okay with the rest of them i think too much was probably given up to get all away from the saints but the rest of the the picks going kind of as you would expect and the final one there um that we'll get to in a moment will be jameson williams and trey burks trey long burks but how, how did you feel about washington's moves here from a draft standpoint i i you are right i did i thought that I think that Dotson, the player, is is a fine player. I personally like Jahan Dotson. I I, I like that he was being mocked in the in the late first round, perhaps talked about in the early second round. Um, I would have liked to have maybe seen him go to your Green Bay Packers column. So there is that. Um, Jahan Dotson, the player, I don't mind from a draft perspective. Washington did trade back to the 16th overall pick, and then 
that was to acquire draft capital because they didn't have a third round pick. They had a second round pick. They did not have a third and they weren't picking into the fourth. So they were able to trade back, get a little bit more draft capital. But then with Dotson on the board at 16th overall, I thought that Washington kind of dropped the ball in an opportunity to perhaps trade back again while still maintaining a pick in the first round to get um, who apparently is their guy in Jahan Dotson, who they took over Traylon Burke. So I think most people would have had that ranked the other way around. Um, I think it was just a lost opportunity to maybe acquire more draft capital for Washington. I, that, that's probably nitpicking to some degree, um, but but for a team that has struggled to put things together and and has as long of a playoff drought and just lack of success, I, I, th- I think trying their best to make the optimal moves at every at every turn really works out best for them. So um, I was a little bit critical of that and just what I thought was a bit of a reach on Dotson's 16th overall. From a fantasy perspective, you mentioned his ADP is 195. Um I'll be interested to see how this shifts in the coming months. I don't think it's going to see too much of a move one way or another right now. Um, if it does see a lot of a move and it's up, I think that I'm going to be out early on. And that's in part because a lot of people may forget that Curtis Samuel was signed last year by Washington to a pretty big free agent deal. He missed all of last season with the injury. Um, we don't even completely know what it was. There's, there's some s- speculation um, you know, that it was maybe more than what it was, some speculation that it was maybe less than what it was he wasn't playing. We don't really know, but he's expected to be back heading into this season, and we know that Curtis Samuel can be a dynamic player when healthy. Assume that he is healthy um, alongside Terry McLaurin. I think we need to start to question just a little bit how Dotson actually fits into Washington's offense in year one and whether or not he could see enough of a, uh, a role to justify any kind of ADP uh, rise. So if it starts to go up, I may be out on him early. If he starts to fall back, if we start to hear how healthy Curtis Samuel is, then I think he becomes an interesting, very late round flyer as a guy who maybe needs something to break his way. Um, we obviously never cheer for injuries, but we understand they happen. Maybe something happens down the line where more opportunity opens up for him, um, assuming that the season starts off with all three of McLaurin, Dotson, and um, Samuel being healthy. So um, I, I don't love it for fantasy right now, uh, but it, where his ADP is at, if it sits around where it is right now, I don't think there's any harm in taking shots on that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. And I mentioned Jamison Williams. He was a part of a trade-up from the Detroit Lions. And we were talking before the show, I think. I actually really like what the Lions did in round one. And if they get one of these 
rookie quarterbacks in round two or round three that were potentially thought that they would go in round one i think they could have themselves really nicely set up maybe not for this year in terms of like competing but i think fantasy wise certainly and i think they uh, sean mentioned on the live stream that they could be the 2024 version of the cincinnati Bengals from this mm-hmm. year based on you know the skill position players you know they have swift they have hawkins and that so they get jameson williams in there but they do have amon and brown they do have dj chart there's a lot of uh, options there for it to go around but the disappointing part is they have jared goff at quarterback uh, they take him at uh, spot 12 uh, his adp currently 160 but obviously he's working back from that injury as well and i did talk earlier obviously about the titans and aj brown they did immediately draft trail on works with the 18th overall pick his adp is currently at 126 i think that will go up because you touched on aj brown and the situation last year for him with competition obviously julio jones was there but spent quite a bit of that time injured the titans do have robert woods coming back from his own injury but they are kind of limited in other options so i think he could find himself in a pretty interesting role pretty quickly and you mentioned in your piece that he you know in in the draft process he kind of got comped a little bit to aj brown himself so maybe they're thinking that contract's coming up we have to move out and we're not going to pay him for that but we're you know going to replace him with his his closest comp here so uh going through all those wide receivers uh, drake london guard wilson chris olave jameson williams and then Traylon burks is there one of them who you think this draft worked out pretty much you know perfect for is there any of them that the draft spot has mm-hmm. for concerns moving forward I do like the I do like that Burks ended up in Tennessee in part because of what you just kind of mentioned the the fact that he he's been comped literally to AJ Brown who he now gets to go and replace um, so if we're if we're going to assume that in terms of the size and and the well maybe size is the wrong word if we're, if we're going to assume that the that the role and and the volume that Brown saw. Um, during his time in Tennessee is going to exist for Burks, um, then I think that Burks could end up being in a very good spot the fight, despite the fact, again, that you know Tennessee has a, uh, a, a more run-heavy approach, which I don't expect to change much in 2022. I also think that from a fantasy perspective, that while I don't love the quarterback situation, um, it, it's hard for me to not get excited about Drake London just a little bit. How high his ADP goes, I think, is going to be something that's going to determine whether or not I will be in on him by the time the, the season officially comes to a start. As we know, we've got several months before before uh, this thing kicks off, so we're going to see a lot of changes. But London walks into a team whose top two receivers of Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage each had 27 and 22% target shares, respectively, and neither of those guys are there anymore. So then you go down to Kyle Pitts with a 20% target share, and then I, I I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest here. I don't know much of who the Falcons even have at wide receiver heading into this year. The top two guys, I believe. They might have to put Patterson, Cordell Patterson, back out to wide receiver again. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to do something with Cordell Patterson. I believe Alameda Zacchaeus is still there, and I know they signed um, Ian Harditz, favorite receiver, and Auden Tate. I don't think that either of those guys are going to be threatening for any kind of serious volume. So the fact that London ended up in uh, Atlanta, even though he's going to be having to probably catch passes by – uh, or from Marcus Mariota by the time this draft thing is all said and done. Uh, well, I don't love that. I don't think this team is going to be very good. The Falcons are in probably one of the bigger rebuilds in, of any team in the league, honestly. And I think they're going to be losing a lot of games that regardless of who is in a quarterback, um, just, just pure pass volume alone and a high rate of aerial attacks could perhaps get Drake London to a point where he's a very valuable pick depending on how high his um, 
ADP rises. I mean, if I can get him even within a round or two right now of where he's currently sitting, uh, I would definitely do that. If he starts creeping into, you know, a, a two to three round bump, I'm, I'm going to take some pause and, and reassess who else is going around him and maybe pivot elsewhere. But um, I, I mean, Drake London, for those of you who got him at that 115 ADP, I think you guys got a tremendous, a tremendous value early on. He went to a team with literally no wide receivers. Yeah, and like that's why obviously myself and Zach have been drafting this offseason. I've been drafting with Sean Siegel. We've been doing different best ball drafts and we've been talking about the value of the rookies and how they can take that one, two, three, four round bump depending on how things play out with draft capital. But I think that Drake London and I think Yard Wilson as well, like I think the Jets in terms of the younger players that they have in there, you know, there is question marks around Zach uh, Wilson, but they have him. They have young running backs in there with Michael Carter. They also have Elijah Moore, who I'm a big fan of, who they drafted last year. There's a lot of young players in there. So if Wilson can take a step forward, the Jets are going to be pretty fun uh, on offense this year. I do think that the Falcons are going to be playing from behind, like you mentioned, but I, I, I've i always been a Marcus Mariota guy. I don't, you know, I thought that, you know, maybe by this time I could give up, but uh, no, I can't. Uh, still on a couple of Superflex Dynasty rosters. So um, I think that... Uh, him there could be interesting. Sean's talked a little bit about him this mm-hmm. year as well. But you have Pitts and you have him with the Russian threat, but you also have, see what he can do as a passer. So I, I think it would be great. But look, we're recording this now on Friday. We could be talking on Saturday that they have drafted uh, you know, a rookie quarterback <laughs> in the second round and Marcus Mariota is toast at this point. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. But I think Olave is a big winner based on what they invested in him and what you know, opportunity he might have there with the Saints as well. So I think rookie wide receiver wise, I think we're in a really strong position. I think there's a couple of wide receivers that are going to be in the mix on day two here. Um, and I think if some of them can land in those favorable spots, maybe somebody lands with the Buccaneers, maybe somebody lands with the Packers, somebody lands with the Chiefs. I think those guys, their ADPs could take massive jumps as well. Talked about the ADPs that can jump um, and the situations that, you know, things can be improved and, uh, with the draft capital but then there's also the situation like myself and sean did a couple of drafts recently where we took a lot of rookie quarterbacks hoping that they would go in the first round like we thought they didn't go in the first round like we thought and i even seen on the youtube channel a comment about the bull predictions episode that we did where i think sean predicted uh you know five quarterbacks maybe in the top 15 and we were having <laughs> some fun with, with that there but that obviously didn't happen um but when we look back on it i don't think anyone predicted that there was going to be one quarterback we knew that the nfl may be down on this but there's also still the fact that if you feel the competition isn't there to go and get these guys and maybe they're all valued at a similar area maybe you can let them slide and if they don't you know get drafted if a couple of them don't go you don't really have to make that move up we see the saints make the move up for olave but mm-hmm. if those wide receivers slide a little bit they don't have to to do that so i think it's interesting to see the positional value but in this particular situation we do see only one quarterback go in the first round that was kenny pickett going to the steelers we have talked a bit about not really being well I, me and sean have talked about not really being pickett fans i don't know where you sit on that out of the quarterbacks in this class we do like the other guys in the top five options better. It's going to be fascinating to see where they land here today on on the second day of the draft. It'll be interesting to see if um, the Buccaneers who start the round off maybe put somebody in there, you know, to sit behind Tom Brady for a year. But they did take a, a rookie in the last couple of years as well, so maybe they don't do that. But Pickett ends up with the Steelers. Wasn't the situation I was hoping for for the likes of Deontay Johnson, for the likes of Pat Fairmuth, but maybe he does take that step and adapts to the NFL very quick, or maybe they're going to think that he is a year or two away and 
maybe Mitchell Trubisky has really turned things around from his time in Buffalo. So what's your thoughts on, on them drafting him there? Were you surprised by this pick? I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to call his quarterback class, but he certainly wasn't my pick to be the, the first off the board here. Yeah, for, for me, the the way this kind of unfolded and the way I kind of viewed this quarterback class heading into it was the, given that there wasn't a like a bona fide runaway guy um, who, who I think anybody thought was like going to be like the guy in the draft. This wasn't a, a draft of the Trevor Lawrence or, or, you know, Andrew Luck or even at one point in time of Baker Mayfield, despite the fact the way that has since gone. Uh, Baker Mayfield was you know, arguably the consensus quarterback one of his draft as well. So we didn't have that guy in this year's draft. So my approach to the quarterback position for this year, um, in terms of how I wanted to rank them, was more so in, in terms of like upside. If, if, if I didn't love any of the guys, I wanted to, I wanted to rank them based on upside and what I thought they could possibly provide um, a team for, for real life or fantasy purposes. And that had me at Malik Willis, number one, uh, Ole, Miss Corral, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral, number two. And then I had Pickett in there at three. So to see him go third, or first overall off the board amongst the quarterbacks, um, I don't think is necessarily ideal. But I wrote in my article uh, last night that in some ways I think that Pickett makes sense. First of all, just in terms of how teams rank these guys, if Pickett is who the Steelers think is the best quarterback of the class, then obviously they go out there and they get their guy, and that's what they're going to do. Um, but then also, in addition to that, under Mike Tomlin, the Steelers have been an incredibly – good football team for 15 years he's coached this team and for 15 years mike tomlin has never had a losing season and as a result of that uh the steelers do not pick early in drafts and i don't know that between having mike tomlin and even mitchell trubisky on the team in 2022 i don't know that the steelers are going to be doing um i guess, I guess performing poorly enough to perhaps be staring a top five pick in the face in 2023 where now they can say all right like the mitchell trubisky thing didn't work out we're going to go ahead and we're going to go get a quarterback who, um, you know, is, is a bona fide, like this is the top one or two quarterback of this class. I don't think the Steelers are going to be a team that's picking the top five in 2023. So in terms of the the process and and the way that the Steelers decide to approach it with the selection of Pickett, I think that if they think that he's a guy who they've already said that they had ranked higher than all the other quarterbacks by a pretty significant margin, if they think he's the guy and he falls to him at them at 20, they didn't have to move up to take him. They, in theory, are getting their guy who they hope is a quarterback of the future. And if it unfolds as such where Pickett ends up being better than everyone else in the draft um, ranked him, then Pittsburgh is going to have, what, maybe a down year in 2021 or maybe in 2022, maybe a little bit of adjustment even in 2023. But if Pickett ends up being the guy, then Pittsburgh didn't move up at all to get their guy. He ends up being better than the rest of the league thought he could be, and it worked out for them. So while I personally don't rank Pickett as a top quarterback of this class, given that he was a top guy for Pittsburgh, given that they're not a team that is ever picking early. I think to take a shot on a guy who they believe can be the guy was was the right decision here, at least from that perspective, even if I would have preferred the the pick of the higher upside with someone like Malik Willis at Liberty. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how he can settle in with the Steelers. A couple of things as we get ready to close things out here. Brees Hall, who we talked about as the top running back in the class, did not get drafted. There was reports that he may go at the back end of that first round that didn't happen i would fully expect him to go pretty early in the second round as it comes up but then we have kenneth walker and a couple of other guys in this class um that i think you know could also be going in the second round so looking to see where running backs go the final thing we're going to close off with here is the packers and the chiefs did not take a wide receiver in their first four picks combined i think we'll see them get into action on day two here i'm hoping they get into action day two the packers have two 
second round pick so hopefully we get one or two picks in there i did joke on the prediction show with travis when i said how many will they draft with those four combined picks i said please don't say zero but zero proved to be the correct answer so that would have been a bold prediction and it did actually come to fruition but i do think as well you know teams like you know the saints might get criticized for what they give up to get a wide receiver we did talk a little bit earlier about washington and how they manage the draft situation we're probably going to be critical of them for not trading back and for drafting a wide receiver that maybe shouldn't have went at that spot. But they had to make a pick at that point if they couldn't trade back. Sometimes then with the Packers were saying, why didn't you draft a wide receiver? You should have traded up or you should have traded back or you should have traded side to side or whatever you want to do. But uh, there's not sometimes those options. And sometimes the players that are available are, are too good. I think you know the Packers and the Chiefs made some good long-term decisions, I think. Um, and hopefully they can back that up with uh, some... Uh, wide receivers or pass catching options and the second day off the draft the other player that's still available there that i think has a high upside is trey mcbride the tight end so we'll see what happens there but zach we're getting ready to wrap this one up it's been a lot of fun talking about day one of the nfl draft the first round a lot of excitement if we get anywhere near the level of excitement in day two uh, i think we're going to be in for a treat the guys and ben and sean ben gretch and sean siegel will be live streaming the entire day of day two so make sure you check that out on the rotovis youtube channel make sure you hit that subscribe button over on youtube and if you are watching this on youtube right now thank you very much for sticking all the way to the end myself and zach do co-host the rotovis best ball show we will have lots of content coming your way on best ball over the coming weeks and months ahead of the nfl season we'll be doing some live drafts we'll be doing lots of podcasts and we have a lot of evergreen content that we recorded last year that has reposted on the brand new road of his best ball feed head on over the link is in today's show notes you can click the subscribe button on that you can check out all that evergreen content where we talk about zero rb builds elite tight end builds different strategies for your rosters uh, one of the the crowd favorites i have to say is the reverse engineering your draft episode which did come out in the last week so head back and check that out that best ball feed as well has best ball content coming up from all the rest of the road of his team when there is best ball podcast content we are posting there with those special episodes so thanks again to zach for joining me for today's show you can follow zach on twitter it's at zk underscore ffb my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and as always until we're back with another show have a good one Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.